because um, I'm going to give you the truth no matter what all logarithms or whatever it is. I don't know how any of that stupid stuff works at all. But no matter what gets posted, and we'll try to do what we do and you know, post it on YouTube and sermon audio. But just remember, I'm just going to remind you again, you know, if this YouTube stuff keeps up, we'll always have our sermon audio page. So sermonaudio.com. And uh, that's, a, that's a Christian um, born-again uh, site. Um, I wouldn't say everybody on there agrees 100% you know, with us on every uh, uh, dotting every I and crossing every T, that's for sure. But they're about getting the gospel out, and they're, they're not messing with us about preaching. And uh, so we'll use that, and we have our, our church website. The sermons will be on there. But we, uh, last week when I taught Revelation 17, and I taught it to you the way the Bible teaches it, and I made application um, to reality, to facts, to actually real facts. And so then they had some kind of a link posted up underneath the message that was discrediting what I said. They were trying to give you the counterbalance to the argument, right? And the link, when you look at it, it was very deceptive because they referenced one of the reference materials I gave you that'll tell you the truth about the Roman Catholic Church. And they put a link up there that titled that reference material. And then when you click on the link, you find out that they're discrediting that reference material with no given facts just like, hey, don't mess with the Catholic Church. Now, it's kind of weird to me that, you know, of course that one didn't get blocked or pulled down or anything, and we didn't get a warning. I don't know how that works because we're not monetized or something. But whatever. They, they um, by the way, I, I just remembered looking at you because you sat forward like I'm getting my facts wrong because I don't understand any of the Internet stuff. So, you're, no, you're good. <laughs> Jordan, we need to pray for Jordan because she hit her head again on Friday, so... She's feeling real nauseated and stuff tonight. Uh, she did have a concussion last time, but she was okay, went home and was doing better, and then she hit her head again Friday. So she's got, they got to take her back in in the morning, so please pray for her. So I'm not sure how all that stuff works. Um, this time you said that link didn't look like it was automated, right? It was actually somebody posted it. So it's actually a human being this time. Hmm. You're laughing because you know exactly what I believe about all that stuff. So uh, very interesting to me that you can't give the truth about the Catholic Church, but they'll say all kinds of stuff about you and me, and nothing gets posted to give you the other side of the argument. So, you know, we'll just give the truth as it is. I'm not going to... I try hard not to... Uh, how, how is it? Get distracted by it. Does that make sense to you? Get pulled, get pulled over as a distraction. What I'm going to do is just teach the Bible like I would teach it as though there's no pushback. And then if they keep pushing back, we'll just keep teaching the Bible like it is. And we can live fine without YouTube. Uh, our headquarters isn't, what is it, San Bruno, California or something like that? That's not our headquarters. Our headquarters is uh, actually probably a few million light years north. Got it? So I'm thankful that, you know, people watch on YouTube or whatever, and if it gets the truth out there, that's a blessing, and if it helps some people, that's wonderful, and I hope some people get saved, but if we can't keep utilizing that source, God will take care of us, and God will bless us, and we'll, God will spread it how He wants to spread it. That's on Him. But anyhow, that ticked me off. So we're going to teach Revelation 18 the same way, because actually, Revelation 18 is a continuation of the same study. And so in Revelation chapter 18, verse number 1, it says, After these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils. See, it's going to be so much smoother this time. And the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. That's some pretty strong verbiage. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. We ask you to help us as we look into these things to get out of this passage of Scripture what you have for us. Father, give us the truth. Lord, we want the truth. And you said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth in John 17, 17. How important must that be if our Savior is praying this on his way to the cross? And how much... Must the devil and the foul spirits and the, and the devil's hate 
what's trying to be accomplished here tonight. They want to get that seed out of the minds and hearts of these people so it can't bring forth the fruit you want it to bring forth. So I ask you for liberty tonight. I ask you for an open door. I ask you to help the words of God to go forth with power. I ask you to make these things clear to us and give us the truth. Father, help this church, help these people, help myself to be people of the truth. Lord, to love the truth above everything else. We can't separate the truth from you because Jesus said he is the truth, and we know that to be the truth. We know your word is truth. We can't separate the truth from you. We live in a world full of lies. Lord, we have a, a hearts that deceive us because as sinful human beings, uh, we have a, an adversary that is a liar and the father of it. And God, we need to love the truth. And we know that the truth is what will make us free. The truth is what will draw us closer to you. And the truth is what our souls need. In a day and age where people are so confused about truth and they're speaking their truth and they're twisting the truth and lying about the truth, help every person in this room, help these young people to understand the truth and realize they can build their life on the truth and that the truth is not something to fear, uh, but it's something to love. So give us the truth tonight, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now watch this. Verse 1. After these things... What took place in order is that another angel came down after everything that happened in Revelation 17. Not what that says? It's not what that says. It says, and after these things I saw another. So what he's saying in 18.1 is not, watch this. He's not saying chapter 18 takes place chronologically after chapter 17. If you look at every word of God as pure, right? And you don't change the Bible. You let the Bible speak for itself. He said, after these things, what are the next two words? I saw. So what he's telling you is, after I saw Revelation 17, and God gave me this vision and this vision ended, God gave me another vision, and this is chapter 18. Is that making sense to you? You see how that works? It's a trick of the trade. It's a sleight of hand. It's like, if you don't watch the magician, you're not going to see how he just did that. And that's what they do with the Bible when they interpret something for you. Because if I read quick enough over this, it's after these things I saw another angel. And so it says, okay, so chapter 18 happens after chapter 17. And if you're not paying attention to where the magician's hands are moving, you can get the thing all out of whack. He didn't say chapter 18 is chronologically after 17. He says, I got a vision. After I received this vision, I received another vision. So here's what's happening. And as you go down through 18, you're going to see the Lord has given you another run through of the destruction of the Roman Catholic Church. The destruction of, like we saw last time, Mystery Babylon the Great. The mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So don't forget, this is a mystery thing. That means there's something going on. There's a sleight of hand there. There's something happening that's not always making 100% sense from a logical human mind. There's a mystery to it. And what this mystery is, is it's the great whore. So he says in verse 18, And after these things I saw... Now, understand this. It's a pattern in the Bible for God... To make a statement, stop that statement, and then parenthetically go back in the next chapter and make another statement that falls back over the last statement. You've read your Bible, right? You've read through even the Old Testament and you see the style of the author. The author will say, here's what happened, Bloop, run you right through it. And then he goes, like in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And then you go through the next chapters and he takes those chapters back and he details what he did in that statement in the previous chapter. Following that? Now listen, when you study an author's work, when somebody writes something, you'll see the personality, the, the forgive me, the psychology, whatever it is, of the author throughout the work. 
I mean, when you put something down on paper, if you're writing something and you're really, you're really, you're really uh, 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 exposing your heart, you're pouring yourself down onto the pages of what you're writing. It's your thought process. It's your, your strategy. It's your structure. And there's styles to writing. So here's one of the wild things and one of the proofs the Bible is the Word of God. you got over 40 different authors over, what was it, 1,500 or more than that. I'm, I'm, I'm escaping me around. Hundreds of years on multiple continents. Different authors. And you can see those individual authors' personalities as you read their writings. John's writing ain't the same as Peter. And Paul's writing doesn't match Matthew. And Luke, the physician, doesn't match Matthew, Peter, Paul, or John. It's pretty wild. You not only see their individual personalities, but what you see beyond that when you study the Bible is you see the fingerprints of the actual author. Because all these different guys with different personalities over hundreds of different years on different continents and different cultures all have their own style and yet they fit in with the way that the author of that book communicates. That's a wild thing. So it's nothing new as we get down to the end of the book of Revelation to say this chapter is a parenthetical chapter. This chapter 18, it, it's, it's more explanation of what's already been explained in 17. So if you don't look at it that way, you start getting confused as to what's happening in 18. But you have to understand that in chapter 18, he's still talking about the destruction of the Roman Catholic Church. And these things I saw, another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. That's a, that's a wild thought. Imagine that. And he cried mightily with a strong voice. Why do you raise your voice when you preach? Well, I don't know, maybe I've been reading my Bible. Sorry, maybe your preacher hasn't. That's why he's mealy-mouthing and won't raise his voice, won't lift up his voice like a trumpet and show my people their sin. You know, maybe he's timid and scared and stands behind the podium with sweaty palms and his knees knocking together, making sure he's not offending anybody because he thinks you have money. I don't know. I mean, I see smite with the hand and stomp with the foot. One of my favorite passages that I can't live on in this Old Testament, and I wish it wasn't, is so I smote them and I cursed them and I plucked out their hair. <laughs> what a blessing, man. I wish I was an Old Testament prophet, you know. He, that's Nehemiah. He said, so I smote them and I cursed them and I plucked out their hair. Don't mess with the preacher, man. It's, everybody's answering them. They all answer the altar call every time I preach. I just don't know what's going on here. You know? <laughs> but God's prophets weren't mealy-mouthed, timid, afraid, and intimidated, cowardly little guys. They lift up their voice like a trumpet. To preach means to stab or to thrust or to proclaim loudly. You got a bunch of people sitting in church nowadays and a preacher starts preaching. They think something's wrong with them. They ain't they going to be shocked in the tribulation period when an angel steps out there and just blasts the stinking universe, man. The whole place is shaking. That ain't nothing like the voice of God. It's like thunder. It's like mighty waters. It's like Niagara Falls flooding the entire universe. The voice of God. You talk about power. Man, what a blessing. Ain't that cool? So when I raise my voice, just oh, he's just because he's been reading his Bible too much, you know. Okay, how about this one? Somebody said I found your verse, preacher. It's uh, what was it? Uh, is Ezekiel? He said to stomp with the foot, smite, smite with the hand, and stomp with the foot. God's instructions to the preacher: smite with the hand and stomp with the foot. I don't know why he acts like that. I read my Bible and I liked that one. I was like, good, that's great, Lord. You told him to do it. Can I do it? You know. <laughs> I just don't want to have to eat poop ever, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, that's in the Bible too. That is in the Bible. God said, show those people what they're ingesting. And I want you to take human dung and I want you to bake cakes out of it and I want you to eat it. And he said, God, nothing like that's ever entered my mouth. God said, I'll have mercy on you. Get dove's dung, I think it was. But you're going to eat that to show those people. You guys realize what's going on nowadays? Ain't guys preaching the Bible? I'm giving you the Bible, and then the angel shows up. He cries mightily with a strong voice. You know, he's doing, he's waking them up. And look at what he says Babylon the great, one is fallen, two is fallen. Now, what did I show you last time about those kings? You remember that? The eighth is of the seventh. And when you run down those kings and you follow them through history, it lines up through history that there was those, those seven different kings and the eighth coming of the seventh, and there was two Babylons. You got Babylon that was Rome, 
it fell already. So in Revelation 18, you're not talking about commercial Babylon versus religious Babylon because commercial Babylon already fell. We're talking about religious Babylon. So that spirit that moved down through those kings, down through the, the world history, winds up landing in the last king, and then once that visible city falls and we move into an era that's a spiritual era, point me to the church. You point at a building, you say that's the church, but point me to the church. You know what the church is? Like it or not, it's some people that don't even agree with you on every point of doctrine. It's anybody anywhere on the planet who has put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to wash their sin away and take them to heaven when they die, whether they agree with you and I on every point of doctrine or not. I'm not changing my doctrine, watering it down, or becoming ecumenical by any stretch of the imagination. I'm more separated than the separated, independent, fundamental, premillennial, dispensational Baptists, okay? I'm too separated, all right? And I don't even really care that much. I'm separated. I'm not talking about watering it down. I'm talking about doctrine, Doctrinally speaking, anybody who's trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior is the church. It's a spiritual thing going on. That doesn't do away with the local church because you're commanded to be a part of a local church. The Lord set up local churches. But the church is a universal thing at the same time, and it ain't some Roman Catholic universal thing. That church is a spiritual church of God's people that are born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. The imitation, the devil's imitation for it is Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth, who's committing fornication with the kings of the earth, and she's running a monetary system, and she has colors, and she has a cup, and it's a golden cup. There's too much data for you to ignore it. I don't care what they say nowadays. I don't care what kind of links they try to post on our site or any of the rest of that stuff. They're a bunch of cotton-picking liars, and it's obvious. It's not a stretch of anybody's imagination to recognize... John wondered at that thing with amazement, and I define those words for you, shocked that this thing that claimed the name of Christ was butchering the saints. And it was a church. And it had a bridegroom. And it was a bride. And its bridegroom was Lucifer, who's the Antichrist, who claims he is Christ. So they claim the name of Christ while they kill the ones who actually follow him. Now, wow. It's a mystery Babylon on the great. And the rejoicing here is it's a second fall. That spiritual Babylon, the church is a spiritual organism, not an organization. It's an organism. It's a living, moving, breathing thing. It's a body growing up in Christ and being fed the word of God and prayer and the things of God to help that body grow. It's a body. It's not an organization like the Roman Catholic Church is. That's the devil's copycat of everything God does because his desire from the beginning is, I shall be... Oh. So then it stands to reason, especially as you study the Bible, it becomes more and more obvious that he has a bride too. And he has a church. And he has ministers. And they're ministers of righteousness. Now watch this. What happened with this Babylon... It became the habitation of devils and the hold, the hangout, the, the, yeah, the hangout, the clubhouse of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. That's a mouthful. You want to go to the most demon-possessed place in the entire world? Go visit the Vatican if you really want to be around the dirtiest, most demon-possessed place on the planet. You say, you're hateful. No, I'm not. I love the truth. And I love souls enough to give them the truth. And I'm teaching you the Bible. And they throw out the Bible and they say, a man can sit and speak ex cathedra as though, as though he's the voice of God on earth. And he can change doctrine that's always been held. And he can tell you, you got to start blessing homosexual unions regardless of who cares what God says. He's God. Sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, which is where he'll, what he'll do in the tribulation is relocate to Jerusalem to bring peace, to calm the problems going down in Israel and going down with the Muslims versus the Israelites. And he'll be in there bringing that peace in and he'll be the Savior come to settle it up. And Lucifer will use him 
until he's done with him because he can't stand that church that names the name of Christ, even though it's full of the devil. He'll turn on it and destroy it. It's wild stuff, ain't it? Now, here's what I want to do. I, I always try to give you some stuff for you. Not just, not just doctrine for the sake of doctrine so you can know you're right about stuff. I want to make sure that even though we're teaching, I get a little preachy at you. You ever notice that? <laughs> I do a little preaching when I'm teaching because I want to make sure you get something that will help you tonight. Not just make your head bigger, you know, so big you can't get through the door, you can't find a new hat. Right? I want to make sure you get something in your heart. And I, try, I do my best to teach when I preach and preach when I teach. Go over to Matthew chapter 13. Let me show you something about the devil. Matthew chapter 13. I've said it before and I'll say it again because it bears repeating. Please, please hear my warning. It's up to you. I'm not, I'm not trying to control what you do. Uh, it wouldn't do me any good to control what you do. So I'm not trying to be that way about it. Please understand the spirit that I'm saying it in. Please, I'm trying to warn you. Please don't research demons and devils and demonic things and the devil and the occult and Bilderbergers and Masons and all the rest of all that stuff, secret societies and skull and bones. Please don't research all that stuff on YouTube and on the Internet. Beelzebub and Satan worship and Satanism. Please don't study that stuff from the Internet. You don't know what you're reading. You don't know who authored it. You don't know what you're getting into. If you're going to talk about the devil, let's talk about it from a safe place. How about that? How about lay thy hand upon him, remember the battle, do no more. How about walking with God? How about not worrying about whether or not you're under attack? That can mess you up. Maybe you are. I'm sure I have been a time or two in my life. But what good is that going to do? If you're under attack from the devil, what's your safety? You got what it takes? Can you handle one? Can you handle one little, I mean, the lowest on the, you know he does have rank and structure, right? You understand that? He's an army. And he's got principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. And they got authority. They got authority levels. They got an organization to what they're doing. And you don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but you wrestle against them. And he's the prince and the power of the air. I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven. He's connected. I'll never forget, wow, 25 years ago now, 23, 23 years ago now, Brother Lentz was sitting, I was sitting across the desk from him in his office. I can still see that office and the table and him and his books all over the place. He gave me free access to his office. Come in here and drink. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you that. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that why in a second. Come in here and read anytime you want. I'm sitting there one day and he walks in and I'm reading. He's like, what you reading, man? I'm like, I'm reading this autobiography of Martin Luther and I didn't know he had a favorite beer. He said, you ain't Martin Luther. <laughs> You're looking at me like that. It was a different culture, completely different. He was coming out of the Roman Catholic Church. He didn't understand everything you understand. Martin Luther drank. That's not an excuse for you to drink. He didn't know what you knew. They all drank a whole bunch of winos over there in the Roman Catholic Church. He didn't come out far enough from the Catholic Church, actually, in my opinion. But he did respond to the, the light that God gave him. And he said, you ain't Martin Luther, and walked away. I was like, okay, I'm not thinking about drinking. We're good. <laughs> but anyhow, I remember sitting there across the desk from him, and he said, do you understand that right now in this room, there is so much going through this air right now. It's going right through you. He said, there is so much demonic and wicked and godless, depraved, filthy, vile, and perverted things in this air. And you know how you get it? You tune into it. How do you tune into it? All you got to do is have the right receiver. That's it. He said, you want to turn on some kind of demonic uh, heavy metal or death metal or whatever that stuff is, all you got to do is turn it to the right channel. You want some country music that you're thinking about, you know, your, <laughs> everything that's going wrong in your life, you know? you know. You know what happens when you play that stuff backwards, right? Well, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't get into all that stuff. But if you play country music backwards, you get your wife back, your dog back, your kids back, you know, your life back, your sobriety back. Anyways, all that stuff was going on when I was a kid. There was a big study going on around the church about, you know, playing rock and roll music backwards and hidden demonic messages in it. And the guys that started studying that, even though the preacher said, knock it off, you guys, quit it. 
that stuff started moving around the church and some people got seriously messed up and wound up out of church because they wouldn't listen to the preacher. Ah, oh, he's so archaic and old. That's just ridiculous. Oh, I roll. We're just trying to you know, find the truth. What good's that? You're supposed to be wise concerning good and simple concerning evil. That stuff's going on everywhere around you all the time and all you got to do is tune in. So nowadays you can tune in on levels we've never been able to tune in on before. Your kids are tuning in that little device they hold in their hands like never before. I'm telling you, that stuff's demonic activity. The devil's work. I'm not saying throw away your smartphone. Some of you are like, uh-oh, what's he saying? I'm telling you, be careful what you tune into. And you don't need to be researching that stuff on your own. If you want to learn about how the devil works, you do it from a safe place, which is what did God tell you in the Bible about him? Study it from that and you'll be all right, but the rest of the stuff I'm not so sure. So we're in safe territory right now, okay? And let's see how he works. Look at Matthew chapter 13. Look at verse 4. And when he had sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. Now watch this. And the fowls came. Remember, remember Revelation 18 too? Every unclean bird. The fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell among stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprang up, and because they had no deepness of earth, when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root. They withered away. So the seed is being sowed, and, and the first thing that happens is when the seed lands, the fowls show up to pull it out of your mind, to get the seed before it can get any root. And then other people, they, they got real quick fruit, real quick response. They're just like, oh, this is the greatest, and I love this church, and I'm in. And they're here, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and they're just on fire. And then all of a sudden, where do you see them after a little while? Well, as soon as the devil sees what's going on and he turns up the heat on them, because there's nothing deep going on there. They're shallow Christians. They're surfacey Christians. Because the motive and the heart that I talked about this morning didn't have deep roots running way, 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 way down. They just burn out and they're gone. Verse 7, some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. Well, that happens. Uh, the devil makes sure that once you start producing some kind of fruit, stuff from the past comes up. Strangles out the fruit. Or cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, you know, your job. All of a sudden, you're going to get the job you never could get before because now you're in church and the devil wants you out of church. So all of a sudden, now you've got to work. Or, you know, you get pushed back from the family and it's like, oh, you're in a cult now. And there's stuff that comes up. It's not that you don't weren't sincere, didn't have some kind of root there, but the, the thorns start wrapping around you and begin choking that seed. You know why, folks? The devil does not want the Word of God's power to take root in your life. Because I'm telling you, that Bible will work miracles for you that no church, no preacher can work. I'm telling you. You get mad and storm out, oh, the preacher can't help me. Well, listen to me. He can't. And he never said he could. The problem ain't the preacher. The problem is your heart. That Bible will help you and the devil knows it. Amen. And you know what he doesn't want? He doesn't want you bringing forth that fruit. So of course all of a sudden you start getting serious about God. You start showing up at church. You start trying to pick up your Bible and read. You get saved. You weren't saved before. Now you're saved. And all of a sudden you just start getting pushback and pressure. You won't be saved two days without having a JW show up, a Mormon show up, or a family member show up and be like, oh, I can't believe you're getting in all that church and God stuff. Oh, my goodness. Well, if this ain't real, then why do I get so much pushback? You get almost no pushback when it's like, hey, man, you want to come over and smoke some weed? Easy. No problem. It's everywhere. No pushback at all. But you start wanting to do right and all of a sudden you got pushback. You think what you're dealing with ain't supernatural? You think there ain't something about this book that's real? I've had them say it to me ever since I started going to church. My life fell apart. Well, good. You're on the right track. Don't quit. Why? Well, obviously, what you got going on is real. And you got an adversary. So don't quit. Verse 6. Uh, uh, verse 8. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some in hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. So... Not everybody brings forth a hundredfold, but God still said it's good fruit. Yeah. Now listen, you're the Sunday night crowd, all right? So I'm going to say you're 60. And the Wednesday night crowd, let's just say, I'm just not saying that this is it. People that are only Sunday morning are only 30. That's not what I'm saying. 
I'm using it as an illustration. Does that make sense? So you're, you're the Sunday night crowd. And then there's the Wednesday night crowd, you know. You know what I've, you know, I've experienced growing up in church? The Wednesday night crowd bashes the Sunday morning only crowd. On Wednesday night, you know, it's Sunday morning, they walk in, where are all these people on Wednesday night? Oh, we were here Wednesday night, where were you? Oh, you couldn't make it? Yeah, well, I had a really bad week too, and I, you know, I didn't even sleep and came straight to church, didn't have a chance to eat, and the preacher did not shut up. Have you been noticed you've been going a full hour? Sometimes you've been going over an hour lately. I hope this doesn't become a habit, because, you know, as they get older, he'll probably be preaching 90 minutes without stopping. Hey, listen, you know what God said about 30-fold fruit? He said it's good. So if all you want to do is come Sunday morning, then come Sunday morning. And don't be pressuring people that don't come back Sunday night and Wednesday night. I thought you came here because you want to be here. Not because you feel like you have to be and you resent people that don't keep up with your pace. I would rather them be 30-fold in my pews than 30-fold up the road, wouldn't you? So see how that works. And if that's all you want to be between you and God, that's your business. I'm actually wanting to pour out a free will offering of what's precious to me, which is time, effort, and energy. And I'm here because I want to be here. But he said they're all good fruit. Fair play, huh? Sorry about that. I don't want you to be pressured. I sure don't want you to quit coming, but I don't want you to be here under duress. I'd rather have a handful of people that are here and happy and just enjoy our time together than, than you know, a great big full-packed church with a bunch of nasty, mean, grumpy people that'd rather not be here. Don't ruin it for those of us that want to be here. Go home, put your feet up, and watch the Super Bowl. That's tonight, isn't it? I texted my wife in the back, please forgive me, and please don't text in church, but it was during the song service, and Lillian's just exhausted and, and, and you know, got some stuff going on, you know, so we just, she just stayed home. I told him, stay home, relax this evening. But I'm... I'm standing there in the back, and I said, it looks almost as full as this morning, probably 80%. You guys blow my mind, man. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Did anybody tell you? Did anybody tell you we weren't bringing the screen in tonight? We're just going to open the Bible and go through Revelation 18, and you still came? I got to think that's good fruit. You're a rare breed, and I love you, and I appreciate you being here tonight. All right, verse 19, Matthew 13, 19. When anyone heareth the word, so he's, he's breaking it out to them. Of the kingdom and understandeth it not. Then cometh the wicked one, see that? And catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside, and when he received the seed into stony places, the same that heareth the word anon receiveth it with joy. He's all excited about it. Yet he hath no root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. He that receiveth the seed into good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth fruit, some in a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. Now watch. Look at verse 31. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs. Now watch. And becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Wait a minute. What is Lucifer like? He wants to infiltrate the seed if he can't snatch the seed. So what happens is those devils are likened to fowls. Now listen, don't become afraid of birds. Don't get weird. Don't think because you see a snake that it's a demon and it's the devil and all this stuff. The devil's after you or a black cat. Don't get weird. But this stuff is types in the Bible. Alfred Hitchcock was onto something with all that bird stuff. He's taking the biblical stuff, that black bird. Don't get whacked out about it. It's a bird, okay? If a black bird lands on the roof of your house, relax, you're not under a curse. Do you know throughout the world all the myths and the evil that comes out of this stuff? Because people get carried away in it. The Lord's using it as a type, and he's telling you that these devils are a type, uh, these birds are a type of devils. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. 
So what the devil does is when that grain of mustard seed gets sowed in the ground and the thing grows up, becomes something great, and God builds a great thing out of it. Right? You drop the seed on the ground, and it's a mustard seed. It's the smallest seed there is. And when that seed gets put in the ground, that tiny little bit of faith that comes from the seed, and the seed is the Word, right? According to Matthew 13, the seed is the Word of God. That thing grows up. And then when that thing gets mature, those fowls come in there and they start lodging in those branches. Dr. Ruckman used to say the gospel light attracts some strange flies. The warnings in the Bible are evil men that come in among you wanting to rob you of your liberty. Spots in your feasts of charity. Why? Because the devil wants to plant his people among them. They went out from us because they were not of us. For they, if they had been of us, they would have no doubt tarried with us. But they went out that it might be made manifest that they are not all of us. Something like that. Yeah. Pretty close. Well, I mean, where does the devil work? Religion. And those evil spirits come in there so that the Word of God can't produce seed. Look at Ecclesiastes uh, uh, 10, uh, 10, 20. Curse not the king, no, not in thy thought. Curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. Watch this. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. That's how you get word back of what people said about you. That's how preachers find out about the negative stuff. And nowadays it's accelerated because you tune in, post reviews, make comments. And it's just a foul spirit working to bring back to you all the bad news. He says, don't curse the king in your bedchamber. Don't curse the rich. Don't curse the king in your thought or the rich in your bedchamber. Why? Because that evil spirit will take that thing and make sure that gets out there and gets you in trouble. Isn't it funny that when we're going to post little things, little comments, and we're going to word it, and we have so many characters, it's posted on what? Used to be what? Twitter? With a little bird? Nobody knows their Bible, do they? Nobody sees the spirit working in this world. Nobody understands. You know how much damage has been done by that? More damage than good. Oh, you say, I use it for this, that, and the other thing, and I found the Lord because of whatever. Okay, good. If there's a little bit of diamonds among all the garbage, you know, whatever. You know, you can get some level of nutrition from McDonald's. You can stay alive for a little while, but it will give you cancer. Why would you do that when you could go to a great, pure, organic source and eat healthy food that won't bring cancer with it? That stuff's a cancer. You know, the only thing I could think of that would be worse for that site than a bird is the letter X. I, I won't get into it, but if you study out letters that end in X, you find nothing good from it in the Bible anywhere. And it's connected to a foul spirit. You know how they advertise certain types of what they call entertainment. It's a foul spirit is what it is. It's perversion, it's wicked, it's ungodly, it's depraved, and it's, and it's useless. I just think and get me mad. It's not okay. All right, so go back if you would, please. Uh, well, let's actually stop in uh, the book of Romans chapter 10. I want you to see why those devils want to stop the Word of God from getting to you. Why there's so many distractions. Have you ever noticed that you come in here and you're ready to be in church and you sit down and we open the Bible and you start wandering off? You can shake your head, yes. I won't take it personal. This one time, I'll give you a pass. You have every kind of thought come into your head and every kind of thing showing up and distractions everywhere you turn. Listen, do your best to try not to be a distraction in church. I'm not saying you have to sit there and wet your pants, okay? I'm not saying that. But if you got to go out, would you do it discreetly and come back in quietly? Would you try not to be a distraction? Because, you know, I know people that said they went to church and sat there. we got people in our church. That back in the day, long before they were even close to the Lord, they were messed up and off the deep end and went to a church where they were invited and they sat down in church in their probably early 40s at the time, sat in the back of the church and was sitting there and a couple teenagers in front of them were cutting up and talking and passing notes the whole time. And the guy sat there and said, blankety blank this, if this is church and those blankety blank parents won't do anything about the kids, this must not be real. 
walked out and didn't come back and spent a few more years in alcohol and everything else, if it wasn't for the goodness and grace of God, he'd be divorced and a complete train wreck. God got him through and brought him here eventually. Been here for years now. Great people. Well, they shouldn't have been so petty. I agree. But what, where would you be in that case? What about you when you're off the deep end and backslid on God or not even saved yet? So you got to consider that when you come to church. That the devil tries to use distractions. Don't flip out if your kid misbehaves. I was that kid. Your pastor was that kid. The jokes were made from the pulpit about Reagan's wearing out the carpet back there, taking him out every couple minutes. It was really that bad. I was that kid. Take him out, discipline him, bring him back in. They will make a scene. They will embarrass you. That's okay. Right? You understand the balance of what I'm saying? talking about not being a distraction. You can say amen, praise the Lord, what a blessing. Come on, preacher, preach. That's not being a distraction. I'm talking about the devil trying to get stuff out of your mind. You'll walk out of church after God spoke to your heart and you'll get hit. You'll just get distracted. What God was trying to do in your life to plant the seed of the Word of God, He wants to send the fowls of the air and eat that stuff up as fast as He can eat it up so you don't get that anywhere so it doesn't have any time to take root. And then once it takes root and brings forth fruit, He'll say, all right, what I'll do is infiltrate what they got. Romans 10, 17, here's why. So then faith cometh how? And hearing what? Oh, you mean the Bible is so powerful that when a lost person hears the Bible, it shows up to them with the faith they need to get saved if they'll accept what the Bible says. That's supernatural, ain't it? But that's not all. There's more to the Bible. Uh, go with me to uh, the book of uh, Hebrews, chapter 5. You guys know John 17, 17, right? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the Bible's supposed to sanctify you. Well, that's why the devil doesn't want you getting the Bible in your heart and in your mind. He doesn't want you getting Bible teaching. He doesn't want you growing in grace. He doesn't want you coming to church. Why? Because it sanctifies you. It sets you apart. It washes you up, according to Ephesians 5, by the water of the Word. It washes all that filth off you that you got on you all week. All the filth of the sin and all your past and all the rest of the stuff that comes up, that Bible will wash you clean from the inside out. The devil don't want that. So if you're already saved, what he's going to do is try to get there and snatch the Word so you don't get more Bible. Because the more Bible you get, the cleaner you get. The more Bible you get, the more sanctified you get. The more Bible you get, the more you're going to mature and you're going to grow in the Lord. You will never outgrow the Bible. Hebrews chapter 5, look at verse 12. For when the time, for, for when the time, for when for the time, ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Watch it. Even those who by reason of use, faithfulness, staying at it, reading your Bible, wearing your Bible out, wearing your pew out, wearing your Bible out, wearing your pew out, keep coming, keep growing, stay faithful, relax, breathe, enjoy the ride one day at a time, and get the long view in mind. And by reason of use, what happens? Have their senses exercised. To discern both good and evil. That's why the devil don't want you in the Bible. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. That's why the devil don't want some of you young kids to form a habit of your Bible reading. 1 Peter chapter 1. You, you kids need to hear me. You should form a habit of your Bible reading. I'm not saying you need to read for an hour a day. I think all of you, if you're old enough to read, you're in school and you can read, you should at least read a chapter a day. And if you're a teenager, you ought to be reading at least four chapters a day. I'm not trying to put a burden on you. I'm just trying to tell you that you can read four chapters a day in about 15 minutes. You can find 15 minutes for God. Shut your phone off and see how much time you find. You can find it. I mean, you can take 15 minutes from your sleep is what you can do if you don't have anything else to do. You're young. You'll be all right. You don't have to sleep 12 hours a day. I know you need more sleep than some of us old people. I'm not trying to take that away from you. But you can sacrifice 15 minutes so God can give you something. And you realize the devil don't want you to get it. Because he knows what he'll do, what God will do with you, in you, and through you, if you'll put the Bible first. I promise you. I'll promise you something else. It'll break your heart. It'll disappoint you. 
You'll have to watch everybody else pass you up and the devil will tell you, you got left behind and it's never going to be and you're never going to, you just keep, by reason of use, you just keep putting the Bible in and you watch what God does with the seed of the Word of God and you watch the fruit God brings out in your life. The devil hates it. He hates that book and he hates the seed it produces. But God will use it to help you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, you see, seed? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. That's why I try when I'm witnessing to do everything I can to quote scripture off the top of my head. And as quick as I can, I want to get an open Bible in front of their eyes. Because the word of God's got power to bring faith. I've watched it work. I've seen it work so often it's not even funny, man. I've seen standing there knowing I'm against somebody that's got an IQ that exceeds mine and an education that exceeds mine and 35 years or 30, 30 years of life on me. And I'm standing there and I'm like, God, help. God, help. While I'm talking to him. And I watch the Holy Spirit go verse after verse after verse after verse after verse. After. And sometimes I'm like, man, did I quote that right? And I go look it up afterwards and spot on. And I'm not trying to say I'm all that. I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to tell you the power of that book. And God will use that book. And I've watched them swallow their stinking tongue, turn beet red. I, like, it's like, come on, fellas. Get all your buddies. Let's do this. Not because I'm, I'm saying Reagan can handle it. I'm telling you the power of that book. The devil don't want that Bible getting out. He don't want it in front of them. He don't want it in their ears. He don't want it in their eyes. And he doesn't want it in yours. Look at another verse and we'll go back to our passage. Uh, look at uh, 1 Peter 2.2. 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Now do you understand why every foul spirit shows up to keep you from the book? Now do you understand back in Revelation 18 if you would please? Now do you understand why he uses a church and fills that church with devils and the whole of every foul spirit, those foul spirits snatch the word up, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Now you understand why, as my grandpa was leaving the Catholic Church, the priest said, John, don't bring that book, I'll tell you what it says. Now you understand why in the Dark Ages they changed it to the pulpits and didn't want it in the hands of the people. Now you understand why they tried to hunt Martin Luther like a dog to kill him, because he was translating the Bible and trying to get it into the hands of the common man. He wanted you, the common man, the people, to have the Bible because he realized the amount of perversion and twisting and manipulating of the Word of God that church was doing to get their money and to keep them under bondage and under control. And they hate the Bible, but they claim the name of Christ. You sit down with a, with a Roman Catholic and you say, well, let's just study what the Bible says and let the Bible be the Bible. And if the Bible teaches it, let's believe it. And if the Bible doesn't teach it, let's throw it out. And you watch what happens. Well, you have your religion and I have mine. Well, that sounds awful pious. But what about the truth? What are you afraid of the Bible for? You know how I start with them if I'm witnessing to a Roman Catholic? I start this way. I say, oh, great, okay. I say, so you're a Catholic. Catholics believe the Bible, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I say, okay, great. So then we can start there because we have a common denominator. I believe the Bible too. So let's look at what the Bible says. And then before long, it's, well, but I, I say, well, wait a minute. I thought you said you believe the Bible. Well, the church teaches, well, anything with two heads is a freak. Either the Bible's right or the church is right. And if the church and the Bible aren't jiving, who are you following, God or the Pope? You see, you see, you got to use some common sense. you got to reason with them. The authority is the Bible. And what those demonic spirits want is for you to reject the power and authority and the conviction of the Bible. All right, look at verse 3. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. So what you got is a commercial, religious, political, international, immoral, filthy, godless, <laughs> depraved church. Uh, we already went over that last week. I gave you all the different things that the Roman Catholic Church has its hands in as far as politics are concerned and organizations are concerned and all the finances that are wrapped up in it. And so when you got the man of sin, it says they've committed fornication with her. Well, we've showed you already how fornication is connected spiritually to idolatry. 
and they tell you to pray to the, to the aid to worship. Well, no, it's an idol, and you're told not to pray to idols. And they say it's not an idol, it's an aid to worship. No, it's an idol all the way through the Bible. And according to God and according to the Bible, an idol is spiritual fornication. But beyond that, this church is actually incorporating a physical fornication into its worship service, which is exactly what will wind up happening. You tell a bunch of men that they can be a priest, but they can't be married. When God said not to, to, to uh, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats is a doctrine of devils. If you don't want to eat meat, that's fine. Commanding to abstain from meat is a doctrine of devils. It's worshiping and serving the creature more than the creator who's blessed forever. Amen. And everything is, uh, uh, is pure and it's to be received with the word and thanksgiving. So you can't command that stuff. But they command it. God says uh, forbidding to marry. You tell a bunch of men they can't be married, but then they're, oh, by the way, just so you know, only men can be priests, you know. So much for progressiveness and women's rights and equal rights and all the rest of that stuff. It's amazing to me how fundamental they get from time to time when it suits them. But anyways, I digress. So you got a bunch of men that can be priests that are to hear confessions. You're to tell them all your dirty little secrets and all your dirty little sins, but they don't have a wife. I mean, with the temptation, he makes a way of escape, doesn't he? And then you wonder why there are child molesters and homosexuals and all kinds of weird stuff going on behind the scenes. There's fornication going on in the church. You ever seen anything wackier than a church like that that has a priest commit stuff like that and then they just move them rather than throw them in prison? Why aren't they in prison? They should go to prison. That's wicked. That's an abomination. You ever never seen anything more foul than all that stuff? It's foul. It's a foul spirit. It's disgusting. It stinks. And God ain't pleased with it. Keep your finger here in, 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 in Revelation. Let me show you something about the Antichrist. Go to Daniel chapter 11. This is really going to make me popular, I'm sure. Daniel chapter 11. I've mentioned this to you before, but I don't think I showed you the verse. So let me show you the authority for it. Daniel eleven thirty seven. I can't wait to get to the next part of this of Revelation, you guys. It starts getting good next. I don't think any of this has been boring. I sure hope it doesn't bore you, but I, I, but man, it gets good. Daniel eleven thirty seven. He's talking about the Antichrist here. Watch this. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers. Look at it nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. The Antichrist is a homosexual, religious leader who's connected to the kings of the earth, doesn't care for women, forbidding to marry. <laughs> you queer? You see that? That thing's wicked, man. And that's what's going on. She's committing fornication. It's a church. But they rename it love. They call it love. Because God is love. We're supposed to love one another. I preached to you this morning on pure love. And I asked you and I asked God and I prayed and I asked you to please be the same prayerful spirit to get the world's idea of love out of your mind. Wrap it up in a trash bag and throw it away. And have a pure mindset on what it is because this world has perverted love so bad and it's so demonic. And it's connected with the letter X and with foul spirits. And we're going to change the name of Twitter to X. Marks the spot. I'm telling you what's going on in this world, folks. It's going to get worse. And you want to know why I believe what I believe so much and I'm so strong on it and so deep in the core of my guts? Because I sat there as a little boy, 40 years ago, 6 years old. I remember messages as far back as 5. If, if my memory's right, and I think it is, I think as far back as 5, I specifically remember messages sitting in a great big old church at 7 Mile Middle Belt that would seat 800 people. With the balcony included, I think it would seat 800 people. And having the building packed out when Dr. Ruckman would come, and hearing that guy talk about this stuff, prophesying stuff, and preaching stuff from the Bible, just teaching us Bible, telling us what was going to happen. And I've lived long enough to see some of the stuff coming alive that he said a long time ago. 
Now, you, you understand the power of preaching and the power of that book and how that thing can solidify you and get you through your life and you watch God come through, man. It's an amazing thing. The devil don't want you in that book. Back to Revelation 18. And so now we're in a day where it's actually okay. It's even being approved by the church to bless homosexual unions. And you're considered the complete, absolute enemy. You're the devil if you preach against that stuff. How could you? Who are you to judge? Nobody. You're 100% right. I am nobody to judge. God is the judge. And I'm called to preach what God said. And God said it's an abomination and I won't water it down or change it to suit this generation or to give myself security and safety. I am ordered by God to be a soldier that will preach the words of God and I don't love you if I don't do it. So that's that. And it's a different spirit that's accepting all this stuff. So don't accept it. Period. End of the discussion. Well, my mom, so... Well, my dad, so. Well, my kid, so. Nowadays, my grandma and grandpa, so. Well, I can love her and him at the same time. You lost your mind. That's the stuff going on in this generation. You think I'm not going to preach against that stuff? You think that's not impacting these kids? It's a demonic spirit. It's a foul spirit. And it comes into the wrong kind of churches. Revelation 18, verse 4. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, that ye receive not of her plagues. You know what God's telling the Jews? Get away from her. It's my people in the tribulation. Because she's fixing to turn on those Jews. And God's fixing to judge her. So God's saying, Come out from among her. Well, I'm a born-again Roman Catholic, and I just, I'm saved, but I don't want to leave my church. God said, come out. Yeah. Well, I want to stay in the church I'm in, because if I don't stay in the church I'm in, who's going to help them? And I'm trying to invoke change, and I'm here to try to influence and bring change about. God said, come out. You're fighting against God. Yeah. Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Have the guts to step out. Get out of that kind of a church. Well, it's a contemporary church, but you know, I want to make a difference. Okay. Okay, whatever. Or do what God said and come out and take what you got coming with it. Drink of the cup of suffering for the name of Jesus Christ and get in a church that believes the Bible and take whatever comes with that and then watch God do something with you in time. Yeah. Lord tells them to come out. Verse 5, For her sins have reached unto heaven and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you and double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled. Interesting, there's the cup again. Filled her double. So God's going to give her back twice as much as she's given the saints. How much has she glorified herself and lived deliciously? So much torment and sorrow give her. The Vatican billions. So her poverty is going to go beyond it. You ever see the, the, the magnitude of some of their structures and their, their architecture? Filthy rich. It's a filthy rich church. I looked up the average, so it goes from like 48 to 500 and something. The average salary of a priest in the United States is 112000 That doesn't include the benefits. Sometimes they have housing provided for them. Sometimes there's, there's a, 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 a car. Sometimes there's a, what are they call the, where they pay extra stuff. You know, if you drive to the hospital, they pay the gas and all that kind of stuff. And you're not married and don't have kids. And oftentimes don't even have to pay a house payment. Average. Come on, all you widows, come in here and give. Oh, man, you're worried about whether or not your family's in hell. Oh, every time a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Give God more, give God more, give God more, give God more. Love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah. All right. Um, so he's going to double it up on her. Verse 8, Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. And the kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament her, for they shall see the smoke of her burning. Now watch these jerks, standing afar off for fear of her torment. Let me just make a comment here, because the rest of this flow is pretty easy. It's pretty obvious. Make a comment. The wrong kind of friends will run when you're in trouble. 
got this unholy covenant and this unholy alliance. And all of a sudden you get busted and those little devils take off and leave you on your own. A real friend will stand with you in your trouble. But the wrong kind of alliances, you just wonder why you're all alone. They're going to throw you right under the bus. Don't you ever forget what I told you. It'll come up later. They'll throw you right under the bus and it's your fault for hooking up with them. All right, so they're standing afar off and they're like, don't let us be a part of this. Alas, alas, for the great city Babylon, that mighty city, for one hour is judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn. See it? They're connected with money over her. For no man buyeth her merchandise anymore. The merchandise of gold. Watch the colors coming up again. Silver, precious stones. Those are people. And of pearls. Fine linen, they're noted for the way they dress, their fine clothing. And purple, there it is, and silk, and scarlet, there it is again. And fine wood, and all manner of vessels of ivory, and all manner of vessels of precious wood, and of brass, and iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and odors, and ointments, and frankincense, and wine, of course, and oil. There's a connection with Islam, the oil. Wines are Roman Catholic Church. The oils are Middle Easterns. They're making deals all over the world. And fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves. Watch it. And the souls of men. That's our church. The souls of men. You say, oh, that's slaves. No, it just said slaves. The souls of men is something different. This mystery, wickedness, this ungodly thing, this wicked organization has the souls of men trapped. They're marketing, they're making money off of marketing people's souls. Well, if you stay faithful and keep giving to the church and you die with the crucifix on and you die in good fellowship with the church, then maybe you'll make it. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee and thou shalt find them no more. And the merchants of these things, which are made rich by her, shall stand afar off for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. You guys see this? All them people that had deals going on with the Roman Catholic Church are, are, are weeping and wailing because their connections are gone. <clears throat> Saying, alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches has come to naught. You better think about that. You, you put yourself into money and you worry more about money than you worry about anything else. You worry about building up your nest egg and all the rest of that. This, is, this should be helpful for some of you that struggle financially. You should listen to me. You worry about building it up. That's just the most precious thing in the world for you and you can lose it all in an hour. Ain't that nice not to have any? <laughs> You ain't got to worry about it. You know what I mean? Like life will go on just like it always has been. We're good. I'm not saying it's wrong for you to have money. I'm saying it's wrong for you to trust in uncertain riches. I hope you all have more money. I really do. I hope you get to buy nicer houses and nicer cars and take great care of your family and enjoy what God gives you. There's nothing wrong with having money. Amen. That's okay. Relax. I can say that. You're waiting for the punchline. When's he going to say give it to the church? I didn't say that. I hope you all have a great life. Just trying to tell you not to love money because it can go away really fast. Yeah. Don't put your confidence in that stuff. All right, for one hour it's gone and every shipmaster, verse 17, and all, and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off. And they cried when they saw the smoke of her burning saying, what city is like unto this great city? I got one. You worrying about that one? Why don't you get your eyes on the new Jerusalem? <coughs> There's a city that smokes that one bad. And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, Alas, alas, that great city wherein are made rich all that had ships in the sea and by reason of her costliness for when one hour she's made desolate. That's how fast it can all turn around. Rejoice over her, thou heavens. <laughs> what? Man, we just changed gears really fast. And ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged her you on her. Brother Lynch said God will always vindicate three things. Number one is word. Number two is son. 
And number three, his true servant. God will always vindicate those three, those three things. And the day is coming when God vindicates the blood that's been shed throughout the centuries. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. The psalm we looked at this morning, I didn't have time to get to it, is actually a tribulation psalm. He sees his saints being slaughtered and he's saying, that's precious. I'll take it home. I'll take it home. I'll take it home. We're going, it got cut off early. Oh my goodness. God's like, don't worry about it. It's good now. They're good now. They wouldn't come back if they could. So he's rejoicing. Verse 21, and the mighty angel, and a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee, and no, and no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. And the light of a candle, there's candles popping up, shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride, weddings, no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth. Now watch this. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. What's that mean, preacher? Oh, I don't know, like a statue of Mary crying. Well, I don't know, like a body of an exhumed uh, nun coming up, not decomposed. It's a miracle. No, it ain't. It's demonic. It's sorcery. Oh, I don't know, like drinking some wine and it gets turned into blood by the magic potions and prayers and statements of the priest. Oh, I don't know, like drinking, eating a cracker that gets turned into the body of Jesus literally by the enchantments of the priest. Oh, I don't know, like kneeling down to a statue and praying and having a demonic spirit under that thing according to the book of 1 Corinthians and saying, ah, thank you. Receiving glory from getting prayers. Sorcery. Oh, I don't know, like, uh, like uh, calling the priest to come over and spread holy water around the house because you got somebody in the family with dementia. We're talking about that this afternoon. Somebody, that was you. Yeah, so they're waking up with bruises. Something's beating them at night or something. So come to the house, and we've heard great things work when you come to the house. And it couldn't possibly be that the person has dementia because it's a brain disease. It doesn't make them demon-possessed. But man, it was crazy. When he came in with the holy water and sprinkled it around, it got better. Well, I, I think that's sorcery. And God's sick of it. Last verse. And I heard in her, and in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. She's connected to wars, crusades, money, and killing people like me that call her out and tell her what she is, and killing people like Martin Luther who says you're the Antichrist. Yeah. Instead of calling him your father, I called him your hellishness. I don't know, they hate us. The Roman Catholic Church you see in the United States is a watered-down, perfected version because it's advanced, but you travel the world and you see real Catholicism all over this planet. And I'm telling you, what you're going to see in the tribulation period is more. And what you're going to see in the next chapter next week is a breath of fresh air, man. Jesus Christ comes back, and out of his mouth, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, comes a sharp two-edged sword, the Word of God, and that thing starts cutting off heads. And he comes in to set up his kingdom. And then real peace shows up on this earth. We'll look at it next week. Let's go ahead and be dismissed with a word of prayer.